0: Again. You laughed at me but now you know I think it's you say you know, but you have on the plane. hello and welcome to halfway history I'm Jonathan and I'm Kylie and this is a show where we talk about the upcoming week but a long time ago
1: and sometimes not so long ago
0: yeah so we have a few a few updates um, uh yeah yeah so yeah. we got new uh cover art for yeah! the show, let us know if you like it. So it's it's up there. It was done by um, a friend of ours named Lazula on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put the we have the little credit to her Instagram down in our show notes now on everything. So let us know if you like it. And then the other thing, which isn't like the most fun news, oh, well. is <laughs> um, we are going to be taking a break. The time is. Unknown, at-
1: mostly because I'm a slacker.
0: It's fine. Kylie started a new job, so it was hard to keep up with grading little children's paperworks and-, and
1: creating co- like work for them to do in class yeah. when I have fourth through eighth. It's it was it was a little overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, this is Kylie's first time being
0: a teacher. Teacher, yeah, like rather than solo. like a teaching assistant. Yes. So, <laughs> and previous to that, she did obviously history archiving. Yeah, so yep. So it's, it's a big.
1: It's a very interesting swisheroo.
0: So we 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 already have notes done for. Uh, May, May is when we'll definitely be back. Yes, yep. But we're hoping to minimize that gap yep. as much as possible. Yes. And we still have, Do we? how many episodes do we still have left, Kylie?
1: Through the end of December. Through the end so, of December, okay. one more after this.
0: Okay, so we got one more episode before we're definitely taking a quick break Mm -hmm. and we will do our darndest to get back to you as quick as possible.
1: Yes. You know what could be super helpful and would help us get back a lot faster possibly if you sent us suggestions for topics and then I didn't have to come up with topic ideas myself.
0: Yep, and you can do that by Uh going to our Twitter and the the pinned post Mm -hmm. on our Twitter is a Google form or down in the show notes of this very episode, mm-hmm. there is a, a link to the form as well. So yes. if you guys send us topics, then we don't have to search for them as much.
1: Yes, so that would um that would potentially help minimize the gap. Yep. Mind the gap.
0: Mind the gap. <laughs> Anyways, that's enough chit chat. Mm-hmm. Let's get into today's topic. What are we talking about, Kylie?
1: So this week we are going to take a little trip on over to Russia. Russia. Russia, Mother, Mother Russia. Russia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we arrested yet.
1: When I wrote these notes it was in March. So my next comment is and I really hope nothing even worse happens. Oh no.
0: <laughs> Kylie. Yeah. You did it. It was you all along. Arrest us, Po. <laughs> Kylie wished this upon the world.
1: I did not. Okay. I was just making a statement that I really hope nothing worse happens. Uh Anyway, (laughs) so the year was 1741, and the situation around the Russian throne was uh, tumultuous at best. Elizabeth, who was then 32, entered the regimental headquarters wearing a warrior's metal breastplate over her dress and grasping a silver cross and challenged the soldiers, saying, "'Whom do you want to serve, me, your natural sovereign, or those who have stolen my inheritance?' And apparently, that's all it took to convince them because they marched on the Winter Palace and arrested the infant emperor Ivan VI, his parents, and their own lieutenant colonel, Count Burkhard Christoph von Munich. So,
0: quite the coup. Wait, was that in favor of the person who spoke, or was that against?
1: In favor of.
0: In favor of. Okay, I didn't know who those people were related to.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: It sounded like it could have been the ultimate ultimatum gone wrong.
1: Yes, I realized. I did just realize that I didn't state what the topic was yet. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So on December 5th, so the one that I was just talking about, Uh Russian princess Elizabeth Petronova grabs power. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, on December 7th, she becomes the Serena of Russia. Okay. So, I realize maybe I should have made that context clear originally, but... It's fine. We're on now. a roll. Anyway, so, she made a coup. She did a coup? Did a coup? Did a coup. Did a coup. Haiku? No, stop! Um, <laughs> but before we get to Elizabeth the Empress, we have to start at the very beginning. It's oh, a very geez. good place to
0: start. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. Kylie's favorite place to start: the birth of the universe. Shut up! <laughs> so- <laughs> hydrogen and helium I collide. Hate
1: you. <laughs> so. Elizabeth Pichanova was born on December 29th of 1709, although at the time, Russia was still using the old-style calendar, um, so it would have been December 18th in that calendar.
0: Okay, so they um, weren't using—we use Gregorian calendar right. currently, right? So
1: they weren't using the Gregorian calendar yet.
0: They were using some other calendar.
1: Yes, and I will um, tell you if it's the old calendar date or the new calendar date because it. I do have to switch it a couple of times. Okay. So— Uh, She was born to Peter the Great, the Tsar of Russia, and Catherine, who was his commoner second wife. Elizabeth and her older sister, Anna, were the only two out of 12 children that were born to Peter and Catherine that survived to adulthood. So that's a lot of kids to lose. Mm -hmm. Um, They also had an older brother from Peter's first marriage, who was Crown Prince Alexei Petrovich. As a child, Elizabeth was a favorite of her father, whom she resembled both in looks and personality. Uh, despite this, Peter didn't pay much attention to his daughter's educations. He assumed they would never come close to the throne since he had a son and a grandson at that point. So mm. his like line of succession seemed pretty secure. Yep. Elizabeth was still considered a bright child and had a French governess who gave lessons in math, arts, languages, and sports. She grew interested in architecture. She became fluent in Italian, German, and French. And she became an excellent dancer and writer. So she's already much more accomplished than me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. You've got quite a bit of degrees under your belt. I
1: got degrees, but I only got the two languages. (laughs) That's true. And that's a little iffy sometimes for both of them, to be honest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So she was also considered to be the leading beauty of the Russian Empire. And she was um, quite the uh, social butterfly as well. Uh, The wife of the British ambassador described the Grand Duchess Elizabeth as, quote, fair with light brown hair, large, sprightly blue eyes, fine teeth and a pretty mouth. She's inclinable to be fat, but is very genteel and dances better than anyone I ever saw. She speaks German, French and Italian and is extremely gay, as in happy, and talks to everyone. And I don't know if that talks to everyone part was sarcasm or like just she's very friendly. I'm going to take it as she was very friendly, but maybe laced slightly with sarcasm, as in, like, please shut up sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right, right.
0: I could I could pull that.
1: Uh-huh. Given Elizabeth's beauty and so- social standing, Peter anticipated little issues marrying her and Anna into the royal houses of Europe. But the fact that their mother was a commoner and, like, specifically a, f- a maid, and that both daughters had been born before the couple's official wedding... Worked against them. Mm. In 1724, Peter betrothed his daughters to two young princes, first cousins to each other, who hailed from the tiny North German principality of Holstein-Gottorp, and whose family was undergoing a period of political and economic turmoil. So, not the grand royal match he had really hoped for, but doing the best he could. Anna was married to Charles Frederick, the Duke of Holstein-Gottorp, in 1725, as planned, uh, just weeks after her father's death. Elizabeth's fiance, on the other hand, died in 1727 before their wedding could take place. To add on to this, Catherine, who had ascended the throne upon her husband's death, which is a whole other very dramatic story that I'm going to save for another time, because she, remember she was a maid, right, a former right. maid, um, but she had died just two weeks prior. So at this point, Elizabeth was 17 years old. She had just lost her fiance and become an orphan, and her 11 year old half nephew Peter II had ascended the throne. Her marriage prospects continued to fail to improve three years later when her nephew died and was succeeded on the throne by Elizabeth's first cousin, Anna, daughter of Ivan V, who was the older half-brother of Peter the Great, who he had co-reigned with for a time but had ultimately been passed over because he was thought to be, quote, «infirm of body and mind». So basically, he didn't measure up to his younger brother and therefore was, like, passed over.
0: Mm, okay.
1: There was very little love lost between Elizabeth and Empress Anna, no prospect of either any Russian nobleman or any foreign prince seeking Elizabeth's hand, and no option to marry a commoner because it would cost her her royal status, property rights, and her claim to the throne, which... Double standard much? That's exactly what her dad did.
0: I know, exactly. Yeah, her dad married a maid. I, I was going to say, like, when you were mentioning, oh, it's not exactly the royal wedding he was hoping for. It's like, yeah. well, he didn't marry yeah. royally.
1: And I think the difference there is that his first wife was royalty.
0: Ah, so he's like, I did the wife big was... thing that everyone expects. Right. So and now I can have fun with the maid.
1: And also he was the emperor. So, like, he made the rules, whereas yeah. right now Aunt Elizabeth is just like the cousin or whatever of the empress, so yep. double standards. Uh, so what did Elizabeth do? She took a lover.
0: Yep. When empress right.
1: <laughs> When Empress Anna found out, she banished him to Siberia, but that Rob. didn't stop Elizabeth. Yep, that's not a great turn of didn't events. Didn't
0: stop her. That's cold.
1: Yep. <laughs> heck, heck,
0: <laughs> heck, heck, heck,
1: <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> so she turned to handsome coachmen and footmen to console her among other people.
0: Oh, she did not visit the man no, in Siberia. No, she did not go to Siberia. <laughs> okay. yeah, no,
1: no. Uh, she eventually found a long term companion in Alexei Razumovsky, a kind hearted and handsome Ukrainian peasant serf, apparently with a good bass singing voice.
0: I, I really like how she was told, no, you can't have this one person. And then she just like whispered, slut era. <laughs>
1: She's going to sow her oats. That's right. She's <laughs> having a good time. Yes, she is feeling herself and happy with it. So, Alexis had been brought to St. Petersburg by a nobleman to sing for a church choir, but the Grand Duchess purchased the talented serf from the nobleman for her own choir. Um, just a side note here, serf doesn't necessarily indicate consent. So, like, mm-hmm. that's a really ishy, like, ishy area, like, kind of little makes a little nervous, like, from, like, all historical accounts, it appears that they were actually quite devoted to each other um, because their relationship spanned from, like, here when they met all the way through her death. Um, and, like, even after he was given titles and land and all that stuff, he he still, like, stayed with her. Mm-hmm. So, given the option to, like, peace out, he chose to stay, it okay. seems. So, all right. take that as you will. Anyway. So, in 1742, the Holy Roman Emperor made Alexis a count of the Holy Roman Empire, and Elizabeth would later make him a prince and a field marshal. So, he got all sorts of, like, lofty titles. So, like, it benefited him also to be with her. But yep. Anyway. As so, did
0: most uh, joinings and couples and all that stuff yes. in this time. If there wasn't a immediately observable benefit, it wouldn't happen.
1: Exactly, yeah. So, back to politics. During the reign of Empress Anna, Elizabeth was gathering support in the background. Being the daughter of Peter the Great, she had a lot of support from the Russian Guards Regiment, and she frequently visited the elite regiments, making special events with the officers and acting as godmother to their children. Upon Empress Anna's death in 1740, her two-month-old grandnephew ascended the throne as Ivan VI, with his mother, Anna Leopoldovna, as regent. Now, you don't have to be well-versed in history to know that an infant on the throne is rarely a good idea and it frequently leads to fear and uncertainty among both nobility and common people
0: i'm just saying even if it leads to fear boji did a heck of a job
1: boji did a great job (laughs) however there was a lot of fighting (laughs) it's
0: true if you haven't watched ranking of kings i highly recommend it
1: it's very good um so it didn't help that having a regent who knew very little about the people being governed because she wasn't from russia um and she knew even less about the conventions and politics of the Russian government, so this only made that unrest and concern worse. Um, she did some good, like mandating a minimum wage and maximum working hours in the garment industry, but she was quite preoccupied with her lovers, including the Saxon ambassador, Count Moritz Zuleinar, um, as well as her lady-in-waiting, Julia von Mengden. Oh, Yeah. So there's a little uh, little little bisexual uh, little empress going on there. No,
0: Kylie. They were painted laying in bed as friends.
1: They're just friends.
0: Just friends. They're only friends. They're
1: roommates. Yeah. They're devoted roommates. Yep. They're companions, one could say. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway. Um, However, high taxes and other economic problems didn't do Anna any favors either. So not the best situation um, for her. Great for Elizabeth. So Elizabeth began plotting a coup, relying on her popularity with the soldiers, as well as the support of the French and Swedish ambassadors, who hoped that a regime change would steer Russia's support away from Britain and Austria and back towards themselves. Mm -hmm. On the night of December 5th, 1741, so new calendar, okay, so like current calendar, Elizabeth seized power with the help of the Priobesky Regiment, as I had described at the beginning of the episode. It was a daring coup, and amazingly, it was succeeded without any bloodshed. Elizabeth had vowed that if she became empress, she would not sign a single death sentence, which was an extraordinary promise at the time, but one that she actually managed to keep throughout her life.
0: Wow, that's impressive.
1: That's very, like, forward-thinking, too.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So despite this vow, there was still some cruelty in her reign. Um, After the coup, Elizabeth originally planned to allow the deposed young czar and his mother to leave Russia. But the worry that they would stir up trouble for her in other parts of Europe convinced her to imprison them in the Schleselberg Fortress.
0: That's a fun name. Yes, I know. Schleselberg. I
1: read it several times before this to be like, there are that many S's in here, right? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Schleselberg.
0: Schleselberg. Um,
1: So fearing a coup in Ivan's favor, much like the one she had just pulled, Uh Elizabeth set about destroying all papers, coins, or anything else depicting or mentioning Ivan. She even issued an order that if any attempt were made for the adult Ivan to escape, he was to be eliminated. um, And it was an order that was actually honored by her successors as well. Um, Another example of such cruelty occurred when a young nobleman complained about Elizabeth in a tavern and implicated himself and his mother in a plot to reinstate Ivan VI. He was overheard, captured, and tortured for information on the conspiracy, leading to all of the male conspirators being sentenced to death, and all the female conspirators, so including his mother, to have their tongues cut out and publicly flogged. Yikes. So, she wasn't a pacifist. She just didn't want to, like, kill people, I guess, technically. Hmm.
0: Maiming is uh, pretty, yeah. pretty brutal, still. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Arguably yep. more brutal than, like, a quick death. But... Um, yeah, so... We'll continue. Let's not get on her bad side. Yep. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. So, Elizabeth crowned herself empress on May 6th of 1742. Yes, queen. Which is new calendar. (laughs) Uh, She was only 33 years old and had relatively little political experience, but she found herself at the head of a great empire at one of the most critical periods of its existence.
0: Come on, Kylie, you're almost there.
1: (laughs) I have a lot of work to do in three days. Empress Kylie. Mm, I wish. No, I don't want that responsibility. (laughs) Gosh, that would be awful. Um, It also means that we'd have to divorce so that I could marry a king or something like that. I could
0: be your commoner.
1: You could be my lover? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. So, feeling that Russia had been under too much German influence, Elizabeth exiled the most unpopular of German advisors— She also passed several pieces of legislation that undid a lot of the work that her father had done to limit the power of the church. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, well. Uh
0: Uh-oh. Hold on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So despite her flaws, Elizabeth had inherited her father's genius for government, employing keen judgment and diplomatic tact throughout her reign. What sometimes appeared as indecision or procrastination was most often a wise suspension of judgment under exceptionally difficult circumstances. So she would like... Put off judgment until like the path forward became much more clear, mm-hmm. um, so that she could make like the best decision possible. Um, and the people supported her efforts to lessen the influence of foreign powers in Russian domestic affairs. So she had quite a bit of uh, like general public support too.
0: There you go. I mean, it, I would hope so if yeah. she already had a coup. Like. Yeah, it, it, that's ev- fair. Everything seems to be leading up to she. if she doesn't have public support, this wouldn't have worked.
1: Right, yes. So Elizabeth recognized the importance of education and made considerable groundwork for her eventual successor, Catherine the Great. She made education freely available for all social classes except for serfs, because that's how you get a revolution once you educate the peasants. What, well, whoa. Then they go, huh. This doesn't look great for us. I don't
0: want pitchfork empress. <laughs> huh. Yes.
1: Um, she also encouraged the establishment of the first university in Russia founded in Moscow, and she helped to finance the establishment of the Imperial Academy of Fine Arts. And while she may have been cruel towards Ivan VI and his family, she otherwise upheld her vow not to sign any death warrants and even outlawed capital punishment. Just, like, in general. Nice. So that's something even the U.S. can't manage to do, so... Elizabeth also oversaw many construction and architectural projects, including the construction of the Peterhof Palace. Sorry, reconstruction of the Peterhof Palace, Uh, numerous churches and the creation of the Winter Palace, though she did die before it was completed. And wow, to enable way to,
0: way to spoil the ending here.
1: It was 1740 something. Of course <laughs> she's dead at this point, sir. <laughs> I
0: haven't I haven't uh, made fun of uh, oh you told us she's dead already in quite a few episodes. So the worst.
1: <laughs> anyway. Um to enable all of these construction projects, Elizabeth had many roads improved all over the country too. So Wow, America
0: it... can't do that either. <laughs> All
1: right. Yep. I mean, that's have you. Uh, has anyone seen the roads in New England? They're atrocious. Anyway, moving on. So because Elizabeth was an unmarried and childless empress, it was imperative for her to find a legitimate heir to secure the Romanov dynasty. She chose her nephew, Peter of Holstein-Gortep. He had lost his mother shortly after he was born and his father at the age of 11. So she invited him to St. Petersburg, where he had was received into the Russian Orthodox Church and proclaimed the heir to the throne on November 7th of 1742. Old calendar. So okay. it's really like a week or so difference. Elizabeth provided her young heir with the best Russian tutors and settled on Princess Sophia of Anhalt Zerps to be his bride. Incidentally, Sophia's Sophie's mother, Joanna Elizabeth of Holstein Gortep, was a sister of Elizabeth's own former fiance, the one who had like died shortly before their wedding. Yep. Um, so maybe the choice of Princess Sophie was a way to honor her lost union and her lost potential love. Possibly. Maybe. We'll never know. Uh, On her conversion to the Russian Orthodox Church, Sophie was given the name Catherine in memory of Elizabeth's mother. And for anyone who hasn't yet connected the dots, Princess Sophie of Anhalt-Zerps was now Catherine, who would soon follow in her aunt-in-law's footsteps, seize the throne, and be crowned Empress Catherine II, more commonly known as Catherine the Great.
0: Did we do an episode on Catherine the Great already? I think we did. Did we? I think we may have.
1: I didn't remember. We'll have to check. Yeah, Because my next comment is, but that's a story for another episode. No, I
0: think we may have already done that. You keep talking.
1: Yeah, okay. All right. uh, I will scroll
0: through our our episode list.
1: Um, In terms of politics, Elizabeth abolished the cabinet council system that had been used under Anna and reconstituted the Senate as it had been under Peter the Great, with the chiefs of the departments of state all attending. Her support of the new vice chancellor, Alexei... Vestivev Ryumi enabled him to implement policies that brought the war with Sweden to a mutually beneficial end. In fact, Vestivev was able to not only resolve the mess with Sweden, but also reconciled the Russian court with the courts of Vienna and London, um, enabled Russia to insert herself effectually in Poland, the Ottoman Empire and Sweden, and isolated the king of Prussia by forcing him into hostile alliances. So her support of this chancellor really like helped them both in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. So Elizabeth's court became one of the most impressive and luxurious in all of Europe. A great number of silver and gold objects were produced and the most the country had seen thus far in its history. It was common to order over a thousand bottles of French champagne and wine to be served at one event and to serve pineapple at all receptions, despite the difficulty of procuring the fruit in such quantities, which I knew you'd love because you like pineapple. Mm -hmm. Um, I would be disgusted. (laughs) So, however, Elizabeth was rather was rather vain. And passed various decrees intended to make herself stand out. In particular, an edict against anyone wearing the same hairstyle, dress, or accessory as the empress. Uh, One woman accidentally wore the same item and was lashed across the face for it. So, pretty kind of like volatile reaction to that. Another law required French fabric salesmen to sell to the empress first. And those who disregarded that law were arrested. Uh, One famous story exemplifying her vanity is that once Elizabeth got a bit of powder in her hair and was unable to remove it, except by like cutting off that patch of hair, Mm -hmm. which is yikes. She then made all of the court ladies cut patches out of their hair, too, (laughs) which they did, quote, with tears in their eyes, which arguably I would have also had tears in my eyes (laughs) having to do that. So despite her volatile temper when it came to her appearance, she was generous with other courtly entertainments. It was reported that she threw two balls a week. One would be a large event with an average of 800 guests in attendance, most of whom were the nation's leading merchants, members of the lower nobility, and guards stationed in and around the city of the event. So like not your typical guests for an extravagant court ball.
0: My dumb self, when you said she threw two balls a week went back to the fact that she studied sports and i thought she just randomly would take two pitches and be done. <laughs> you did what? I don't know why my brain went to sports when you said she threw two balls a week, but that that's what it did. She just like played catch twice.
1: <laughs> just one throw and then a couple days later another throw and that was it. Yep. Okay. Just to well... keep
0: her ready Peak physical performance.
1: Okay. Well, (laughs) the other ball, not a throne ball, but a uh, gala ball, was a much smaller affair that was reserved for her closest friends and the members of the highest echelons of nobility. The smaller gatherings began as masked balls, but evolved into famous metamorphosis balls by 1744. At these metamorphosis balls, guests were expected to dress as the opposite gender, with Elizabeth often dressing up as a Cossack or carpenter in honor of her father. Most courtiers thoroughly disliked the balls, as most guests by decree looked ridiculous, but Elizabeth adored them. um, As Catherine the Great's advisor Potemkin posited, this was probably because she was, quote, the only woman who looked truly fine and completely a man as she was tall and possessed a powerful body. You know all those sports.
0: Yeah, yeah, from throwing the two balls a week. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Male attire suited her. Um, She also reportedly really loved her legs, and wearing the tight-fitting male trousers showed them off. So, apparently, she did this purely for her benefit, despite the fact that everyone else hated it.
0: (laughs) I love it.
1: (laughs) Which, like, if you're Empress, that's your, like... Yeah, do that. You can do that. It's literally no skin off anyone's back to look a little ridiculous every once in a while. It's fine. I bet.
0: I am willing to bet most people didn't look ridiculous. It's just the the lens of the time where people were like, men dressing as women? Women dressing as men? Nay!
1: Yeah, you're probably right on that. Probably they would not have wanted to admit if people looked good dressed the other way.
0: They probably looked fine as heck.
1: Maybe. Um I mean, you see all those pictures of like, have you seen like the bridesmaids shots of from like weddings where all of the bridesmaids wear tuxes and they all look fine as heck? Mm-hmm. It's impressive and I'm jealous. Anyway. So, she also frequently threw elaborate children's birthday parties and wedding receptions for those within her court, and she even provided dowries for each of her ladies in waiting. Nice. So That was nice. It compensates for the fact that she made everyone dress up a little silly once a week.
0: (laughs) Uh Oh my God, I forgot that those, was the metamorphosis balls once a week? Yeah. That wasn't like an every once in a while thing? No. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. I could see people getting sick of that pretty quickly.
1: And I also have like a sneaky suspicion that you were probably expected to have a different outfit each time. So like, and I mean, let's be honest, the Russian nobility had like money to burn. Oh yeah. So like, it's not like it was a financial hardship,
0: no, but, but like that's a lot,
1: yeah, yeah, And I mean, it probably wasn't every week per se because like the smaller balls started as like masked like masquerade kind of things, but, yeah, and then they evolved into these like full
0: cosplay full
1: cosplay opposite gender type thing, um, so maybe it was like. A mixture of both sometimes, where sometimes it was like, ha, we are doing the metamorphosis ball this week. And it was like, oh man, can we go back to the other one next time? kind Uh of thing. But anyway. In the late 1750s, Elizabeth's health began to decline, suffering dizzy spells and refusing to take the medication that she was prescribed. She forbade the word death in her presence at least until she had a stroke on December twenty fourth of 1761. Old calendar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, at that point, realizing that she was in fact dying, Elizabeth used her last remaining strength to make her confession, to recite to her confessor the prayer of the dying, which was like a very traditional type thing to do on your deathbed. Yeah, um, and to say farewell to the few people who wished to be with her, including Peter, Catherine, and her unofficial consort Count Alexis. So he was literally with her until the end. That's nice. Yeah. Um, the empress died the next day, the Orthodox Christmas, in 1761. She was buried on in the Peter and Paul Cathedral in St. Petersburg on February 3rd of 1762, old calendar, six weeks after her lying in state. And just as a side note, six weeks is a really long time to have a corpse on display.
0: Uh-huh. I, I imagine back then they weren't too great at the embalming type stuff, too, to make yeah. sure that it didn't get a... Gross. Mm-hmm.
1: And just for reference, Queen Elizabeth, like of England, like this year, had four days. Yeah, Like they had her laying in state for four days. Um, and the lines were ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though that it did probably help that it was winter in Russia. So, that's true. Like just a giant freezer to preserve <laughs> the dead empress. <laughs> yep. Anyway, that's the story of Elizabeth Petronova, Empress of Russia.
0: Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So before we get over to our fun facts, which happen after our call to action. So yes, stick please. around. It's not that long.
1: Stay tuned.
0: Uh, before we get to the fun facts, here's our call to action. You can find all of our stuff at halfwitpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. If you want to reach out to us, you can look for links down in the show notes. All of our socials are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can uh, send us an email at halfwitpod at
1: Yeah, we love hearing from you guys. So feedback, feedback. Um... It's another way to give topic suggestions other than like the pinned post, but all sorts of um all sorts of good options um if you want to contact us can be found at our Gmail.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure that if you end up following that account on Twitter, you will very quickly find my account. Kylie doesn't really use hers, but I use yeah. mine a lot for other things, so. Yep. You can find plenty of ways to say hello, and we really want you to.
1: Yes, please. We would absolutely love to hear from everybody. Um It's been a hot second since we've really had like chatter in the the Gmail, so it would be very nice.
0: Come say hi. And also, thank you for the use of our theme song, Another Day, by The Fisherman. You can find a link to their SoundCloud down in our show notes.
1: Yep. And I pointed. I don't know if Jonathan could see it, because... It's behind my stack of games that I was using as, a, as, like, a desk. But I did, in fact,
0: point. I saw the forearm move a little bit. I also did, like, a little, <laughs> a little point this time. Oh but now... Fun fact! It is time.
1: Fun facts. We need, like, a jingle. I think I've said that before. I think we did a little
0: silly thing quickly and then laughed about it and And then then forgot. And then moved (laughs)
1: on. Probably for the best. If
0: anybody's musically inclined and wants to make us a fun facts jingle, go (laughs) for it. I would
1: love that, please. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Anyways, my fun fact is that on December 5th of 1933, prohibition ends in the U.S. when the 21st Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is ratified and the 18th Amendment is repealed.
1: Ha ha, now we can get drunk.
0: Yeah, lots of drinking. Woot, woot. Drinking's fun. (laughs) What's your fun fact, Kylie?
1: My fun fact is... I don't want to wish ill on myself, so I'm not going to do the snowstorm one. Uh
0: (laughs) Uh-huh.
1: On December 10th of 1768... The first part of the first edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica, the oldest continuously published and revised work in the English language, was published and advertised for sale in Edinburgh. Do they still? They do. Okay. Uh, you didn't even have to finish the sentence. Yeah. They do still make physical copies of the Encyclopedia Britannica and it is updated, I don't think every year, Yeah. but like pretty frequently.
0: That's wild. Because yeah. the, the thing that really makes that weird to me is that they do have a website
1: mm-hmm.
0: where they put a lot of information mm-hmm. but they put a lot of information not a lot of detailed information like mm-hmm. it's not the most helpful website that I've been on I know that for a few times for topics for this I've run into the Encyclopedia Britannica website and yeah. I'm like oh cool I'll find a lot of stuff here and it's like they almost exclusively have two paragraphs on anything
1: well cuz it's in in it's an encyclopedia so it's not meant to be an exhaustive entry on stuff it's supposed to be like here's the gist
0: but like and
1: here are some like resources to find more I just don't thing.
0: understand how it still exists when Wikipedia exists
1: I don't know Yeah
0: it, it's just <laughs> that baffling is to me
1: arguably a good question because
0: Wikipedia <laughs> has much more knowledge still in, like, summarized ways and different headers and everything yeah. than I've ever seen in the Encyclopedia Britannica website.
1: That's true. However, However I think... What am I missing? Um, so Encyclopedia Britannica is, like, um, vetted. So it's, like, yep. a, like, reliable source, like... um.
0: So the f- the little information you get is, is guaranteed to be real.
1: Right. It's guaranteed to be accurate. It's vetted. Um, it's like people's literal jobs to create the entries and update and keep them up to date for all of these different things. Um, whereas
0: Wikipedia the, the potential is, issue yeah.
1: with Wikipedia is that like, someone could edit it and say something that isn't necessarily factually true or doesn't have evidence to support it. Mm-hmm. And, and it might take a
0: while for you know exactly. the source to get cited or yeah. pulled down if there is no cited source, even if exactly. it mentions that there's no cited source. Yeah. I guess I get it, yeah. but I don't think I'll ever actively go to the Encyclopedia Britannica over some other sources. It's
1: funny because Encyclop- Encyclopedia Britannica is almost always one of my sources for...
0: My really? notes here.
1: Yeah. Because I it's like without a I know without a doubt that the information in there is accurate. Yeah, So like I will read that.
0: And then find more information. And then find based more information. So you're actually and using also, it like the encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah. I'm using it how it's
1: intended to be. Shocking. Um but then I'll like vet That's what why I'm
0: I'm the halfway.
1: <laughs> but then I'll like vet what I'm seeing on like Wikipedia or other like news resources and that kind of thing. Based off what I'm seeing from Encyclopedia Britannica, mm. so it's kind of like my like fallback document a little bit. Um,
0: you heard it here first, yeah. folks. It is still relevant.
1: It is still relevant, um, and it's just like a really easy way to get an introduction to a topic if you're curious about something. That's fair, um, because it is usually like just a couple paragraphs, um, and usually, especially the online version. So, like um, for us Massachusetts people. Um, the Boston Public Library actually has free access to the Encyclopedia Britannica um through there. like all you have to do, you can sign up for an online BPL card. Yep. Um, and all you have to do is prove that like put in your Massachusetts resident address and that like is all you have to do to yep. get it. Um and they have access to all sorts of really, really good online like reference resources. Um, if anyone's in grad school and listening to this, JSTOR arguably c- can be your best friend for, like, research, you can get JSTOR for free.
0: We actually there, need to do wonderful. an episode on JSTOR. I love JSTOR. Because the person who fought the hardest... I completely forget their name. We'll have to look it up at some point. But, like, one of the people who fought the hardest was, like, a someone who suffered greatly from uh, oppression and died early because mm. of... Uh, there was something... I, I'm very vaguely remembering it, but we'll we'll get to it in a future episode. But I just yeah. remember that there's some there's a story about the founder of JSTOR and they died not necessarily a rightful death or oh, a natural no. one. So we'll have to come back to that at some point because it is a very important point of uh our history and how we obtain knowledge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, okay. I'm going to make JSTOR a topic someday. You guys will be so bored out of your minds. It's <laughs> no. It's going to be my favorite topic ever. <laughs> I can guarantee it. <laughs> make the story the topic, Kylie,
0: not the website itself. No. Come on. Yeah, no,
1: you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. It'll be just like a little a little fun little, little comment in the bottom. Be like, hee hee hee, JSTOR. Uh-huh. Um, but it's so much fun. I love JSTOR. Sorry. <clears throat> my nerd is showing.
0: Yes. Anyways, thank you all for listening. As always, I've been your half And I'm your historian. And we hope you listen next time. Jingle. Yikes. You're Goodbye. No. <laughs> That's not how we sign off, Kylie. <laughs> it
1: is now. <laughs>
0: So quick update because I realize I forgot to say that we did not yet talk about Catherine the Great. So I that is,
1: I thought we hadn't. Yeah, which is why I was like, "That's another episode or whatever." I, I'm
0: wondering if I was thinking about that because we, you were watching, you were watching. I was watching that you were watching the Great. Yes, and then talking about how you wanted to do an episode on it. I yes. bet that's where my brain was going.
1: Yes. Um, that's probably exactly it. Fun fact: Elizabeth that we did just talk about is actually represented in the Great. She's the her Catherine's husband Peter's uh, aunt, the yep. like crazy one. Um, which, like, clearly from what I've said, sh- that was not a good re- like an accurate representation of her, but it was very entertaining.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, what was the correction that you had?
1: My correction is that <laughs> the Encyclopedia Britannica stopped producing print. Bound volumes in 2012, I believe.
0: Okay. And then what I was mentioning before was also wrong. Aaron Schwartz was not the creator (laughs) of JSTOR. In fact, it is the complete opposite. (laughs) Aaron Schwartz is the person who hacked and leaked all of JSTOR's information which made it a free resource. Yep. He is also the creator of Creative Commons and yeah. Markdown Language and the original person who created Reddit before selling it off to the company that runs it now. Wow. Um, so maybe we'll do an episode on them at some point, but it has not been 10 years since their death. So yeah, we so may we should, hold yeah. off on that for a year because um, yeah, it was in makes... 2013. But yeah, it was not the person who created JSTOR. It's the person who gave us all of that knowledge for free.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Okay, bye for real this time.
1: Bye!